Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. Cause I'm ready to go. Welcome, everyone, back to the Greenlight Podcast, episode 136. I believe this is season seven. Uh, is it really? Is it? I was just about to ask what season we're on. We're It's either six or seven. We don't know. We don't keep track of these things. It's been professional over half a decade, though. We are back. Happy. Uh, what do we? Actually, even before we get into it, is October the best sports month? Has to be, right? Because like I, I, we would normally argue March because of March Madness, but in October you get baseball, which I don't care about. You love, you get football, and you get basketball. The NBA comes back. You don't really get college basketball. It's interesting it's you said. It's interesting you saying. So you're saying October over November? I think October, right? Because you get all. You don't you get, have any college basketball in October, though. I know, but I'm saying overall sports month. It's kind of hard to argue. I mean, March is still my favorite just because it's the greatest two weeks or you know three weeks uh in existence for basketball but it uh obviously i i would say yeah from I, it's interesting hearing that from you as a as a as a devoted non-baseball fan um yeah. and but i will say yeah i mean october baseball playoffs we're getting close like i really don't like honestly i've i'll, I'll be honest i have not paid attention outside of maybe two games to watch the NBA. Um, yeah. I mean, I, but it's here, not, but it's back. You it is here. Um, but I, I think um, I will say around Thanksgiving, the part of the reason Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays is because you get good NFL football yeah. and you get good college basketball in those tournaments. And um, it, we're, we're, we're right on the precipice. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, let's start episode 136 off on some sad news. Um, the world learned a couple, actually yesterday, um, that legendary Indiana University and I guess Texas Tech, but really uh, IU uh, coach Bob Knight passed away, I believe at the age of 83. I also don't know if I realized that he was suffering from dementia in the last, like, call it three to five years of his life. I don't realize, I don't know if I remember that. Um, but I thought a lot of podcaster, you know, I listened to some Douster and, and Goodman and three man weave and all those guys. And, um, I think they did a good job of like, you know, he was complicated, man. He, you know, he, he yeah. was controversial. He did a lot of things the wrong way. Uh, he did a lot of things the right way. Um, he was the definition of old school. And that's yeah. what happens when you come up in. I, I think that's what people forget. Like, yeah, he's a 60s, 70s era coach. And that's what you had back then. Now, he was like the to the nth degree. Um, I don't know how many other coaches threw chairs or had epic rants uh, or even, you know, his speech, um, you know, at the end uh, of his towards the end of his career at IU around, you know, uh, kiss my ass and all those things. Like yeah. he has, I, I mean, I think what you can't take away from him is, you know, the X's and O's, the dedication to hoop, uh, the impact he had on college basketball. You know, there's also a lot of people that he 
coached and or came across that don't necessarily hold him in the highest regard, which is tough. Totally. And I, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head. College basketball would not be college basketball without Bob Knight and the impact he had on the game and the impact, especially obviously just IU hoops and Indiana hoops and being that figure and just how much basketball is revered in Indiana. It's not all because of Bob Knight, but obviously played a critical, critical uh, role in that at the same time. I think the best way to summarize, I think the, I don't say the negativity, but the controversy, controversy around him. If you go to his Wikipedia page, there are 23 different bullet points under the criticism and controversy section labeled in 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, 2000s, 2010s. And so clearly for different reasons and different times, he was under a microscope in the spotlight and I mean, who knows if he's, if he would, I'm sure there are things that he regrets or wish he had done a different way. I'm sure there's things that he would double down on to this day. It was like, no, like I, I was in the right. And, and he came up, it was a different era. It was a different time. I mean, I don't think, and this is not like a knock on him as a, as a human. I don't think his career, I think even the leash that he had, it I know what you're saying. He would not so have much survived. shorter. To, he would yeah, not have it, survived. It, you're not making it as long and you're not getting that immediate chance after a year off at Texas tech probably either. Um, But at the same time, the, the impact that he's had on the game, the impact he's had on so many people, ever from Mike Krzyzewski to Isaiah Thomas, to Steve Alford, to, I mean, literally, if you look at Mike Woodson right now, coaching IU, like there's all the whole piece of that is all tied to him. And I, I think, the one thing I am very, I, I was very happy about at least when when I saw that he passed, I was very sad. I was happy that he at least had that moment in 2020 where he was able to go back to IU because I and mean, people realize it'd been 20 years. Yeah, it was since. a it was a clear cut. There was no um, there was no relationship there for a very very long time. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I went back and watched all of his like top 10 rants that ESPN put together and his speeches and his press conferences and like the game face one is so good what the hell is a game face I mean yeah I mean he's just um and for those that character I I think they're on YouTube I do want to go back and look night school on ESPN I don't I don't know if you remember this it was a essentially a cross between Hard Knocks, Hard Knocks, and like Survivor. It was a show. I think they did six episodes. It was basically of a of a reality series of uh, trying out to be a walk on at Texas Tech under Bob Knight. And I think you remember that. And I think, and it was like yes, it was usually I think like nine p.m. on ESPN two weekly, and only was one season. Um, Thinking about that, like I feel like today, if that happened today, if there was like let's say. Um, I'm trying to think of a figure like let's say Michigan State. It was like um, and is like you're trying under Izzo. I feel like people would be drooling on over that like that type of content. And the fact that as I want to say rough and coarse as Bob Knight could be, the fact that he allowed that and like cameras in and did that is pretty incredible to to be yeah. able to embrace that. Um, and and it makes me want to go back and 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 watch it now. But um. It is. I mean, it, it's pretty crazy. I, I, it, you're right. He left IU in 2000 or it was forced out. And then, yeah, yeah. it was February of 2020 uh, when he came back and had a moment. I think and he he lived in Lubbock for a long time after retiring at Texas Tech. And then he 
think closer to 2020, I think it was 2017, bought a house back in Bloomington. So was mm-hmm. at least around, but it, I'm happy to at least have that moment with his players on the floor. Um, I don't know if it's actually like closure, but at least to be recognized and have that, hey, you, we, you're back here because Indiana basketball is is not the same without Bob Knight and college basketball isn't either. Yep. Hundred percent. So sad day in college hoops. Um, legendary, legendary figure. Um, all right, let's transition to some blue blood conversations. We'd have it no other way. Leading episode, Virginia Cavaliers. That's what you want to lead with. No, I don't want to lead with you know some light blue sprinkled in teams. I want to talk about blue bloods. Who's bluer than Kentucky? They're gonna have a new coach next year. It's funny. That's- we were prepping for this. I said, I, I, my thing was almost an either or. And I sent you, I said, what is more likely a UK final four or coach Cal is no longer the coach going into next season. So you're putting your, I want to hear your stance behind. You think this is the last dance for Cal. I would love I, to hear the, the basis behind it. I think this is the last dance for Cal before we even get to the, why did you, see what he said in his press conference around Kentucky state. No, I did not wait. Kentucky. Yeah. They played Kentucky state or like, it's like a D two or something. And, uh, he, he asked them to not play zone. And then he came out and said that in a press conference and everyone's like, what? Like, first of all, I don't know if that's ever Maybe that's happened before. Maybe if you're friends with a coach and you're like, Hey, look, like we haven't been able to work on zone. Can you please like, it's like on the low, this isn't, and you're definitely not going to be the head coach of Kentucky and come out in a press conference and be like, yeah, the D two exhibition scrimmage game that we got, I'm asking them not to play zone. He said he hasn't had time to focus on that with his team yet. I am out. I am all out. Like, it, there, someone wrote an article, I think it was on The Athletic, like the fall from grace from 2015 to now. I mean, Coach Cat, like, I mean, 2015 is hard because Duke won it that year, but like he really was at the top. Like he was dominating recruiting. He was dominating college yeah. basketball. He was the, he is still, I mean, he's still the one and done guy. Um, yeah. You know, of course, other teams have have adopted it, but he's the one. And yeah, it's strange, man. He he doesn't have, he it's, it's, I don't know. Do you, do you fear going to play Kentucky like you did eight, seven, eight years ago? I, no, I don't know. He's I still think getting that, talent. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, but they, no, there's not the shine that they had obviously before. Like, yeah. there is. It's not the hey, they're automatically going to have a top three class every year because he had that little dip there where he was like kind of reverted and went transfer portal a little bit, brought in Jacob Toppin, brought in guys like that, and, and brought in Oscar. And then you go from – then last year is so odd because you go from like, yeah, Oscar is national player of the year, but he's like the least prototypical national player of the year maybe you've ever had. And then he's not someone that they're not, you're actually like running your offense around. And, and especially if you look at the successful Kentucky teams, obviously 2012, Anthony Davis is the anchor of that. But every good team Cal's had, the undefeated, well, the 38-0 or 38-1 team, their final four runs, like these SEC championship teams, they've had a great guard play. And and he hasn't had that. And, like, even if you look at, I think, the last time they really did, you look when Tyrese Maxey, little unfair because 2020, I think they they weren't – I think they could have made noise in the tournament. They had Tyrese Maxey. They had, like, they had decent of playing, but then – 
we don't know what happens. And so after, after that, and since then have not had that same guard play. The reason why I differ from you is I think they actually have the guard play now. And I, I don't, I'm not saying, I, I, I'm not saying they're making a final four. I'm not saying they're winning the sec, but I think that this team just on paper and looking at it, is more prototypical or is more similar to the successful Kentucky teams that Cal has had with young, really good, really talented guards. DJ Wagner is a stud. Justin Edwards is supposed to be a monster. Dillingham like, is going to be. Robert Dillingham. He's going to be a problem. Like, honestly, I've watched Rob Dillingham more than any of the others. They have really, really good guards. Trey Mitchell is experienced and a solid of post players you'll find. Yep. And Talent's you have not... the talent. You have the guard play. You have the shot creation. Do you have the post depth? Maybe, maybe not. Like, that's a question mark. But I kind of want to see Cal just getting back to like, all right, let's just let these guards do their thing because I do think there's a significant, significant upgrade in talent that Kentucky has compared to the last couple years, at least in the backcourt. No argument. I just um... – it, I'm gonna tra- I'm gonna transition this to their to their rival. Although at this point it's, it hasn't been a rival in a while. Uh, this is these are opposite of the spectrums. Like I think there comes a time, and I, dude, how many times have you and I said you're gonna fire Calipari? Who are you getting? Who are you getting right now that's better than him? I, there's there's less than five, and guess what? They're all happy with where they're at. Who are you gonna get? Bill Self. Tony Bennett? No, you again. That's be- that's better than it's no the the person that I would probably that they'd want is probably Huggy the Bear? person You're that hire no, the person that that the person that they I think they would turn to is probably the person that Louisville might turn to if that's if, oh, if there's an opening there. And I think Dusty May is probably going to be. Oh, I thought you. I thought you were referring to D- uh, Danny Manning because that was the rumor that like. No, that was. But that's just because Danny's on staff and he's yeah, like he was going to be. Okay, Danny okay. Manning's not getting promoted. Like Danny Manning is is part of the mess currently. I, that was. Yeah. I think that was a rumor that was sparked out there of like if we have to make like a change, a change like is is this possible? But like who? I, okay, I think either one like. Dusty May, as long as they FAU continues to win, like he's going to be the number one name, just like Shaka was for the longest time, just like Brad Stevens was. Like that's the Dusty May piece now. And maybe, and like, I don't think there's anyone else at that level. I don't think you put, um, I I, I don't think there's guy, like you said, there there are guys who could jump. You could probably make a case for Chris Beard before last year that like Beard would leave Texas for Kentucky. That's not a, yeah. And and maybe honestly, if if it's enough to, or and or Louisville, and like maybe enough time passes, and 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 he's willing to leave Ole Miss. But you're right. I mean, there's not like the only thing I will add to that though is I'm saying here like I'm literally throwing Dusty May's name out for Louisville, Kentucky. This if we were recording this episode last year, most I say the casual fans don't know didn't know who Dusty May was, and so there's plenty of people I think that can. It can can make that leap or can make a big push that if either of those jobs, Louisville or Kentucky, are open at the end of the season, you can make cases for others. I just don't – you're not going to get the – like Cal going Memphis to Kentucky was a no-brainer elite hire, like coming off – like there's – I don't see that, at least that level, um, anyone making that jump. Maybe you get like a, 
uh, Brad Underwood at Illinois, but like, I don't think that's like the most impressive, like, like what is Brad at, or was Brad Underwood done in the tournament at Illinois? It's like nothing really. So it's, there's not a home run automatic. This is our guy higher. Like some of these other schools have, have had. Here's my, here's my last thing on Kentucky and, and Cal and why, I mean, when I read his quote around not having zone put in uh, on November 2nd, that's wild. <laughs> uh, John Gross would never. Um, two, I think Tennessee, Bama, A&M are all better. As of right now, uh, I mean, Arkansas, the SEC is loaded. I mean, they're really SEC good. is loaded. And like, so like Muss is, Muss is, Goes back to the transfer portal like he always has and always will. Moss was did. running the transfer portal before anybody, like like before the transfer portal existed. Moss had his own transfer portal that just wasn't as. It was just his. It was like a giant network and a little spider web that he was he was talking to people and connecting, bringing people in. Alabama, I think, is going to be very good. I, I think that's what like. I'm not saying that. The, I think that the conference is loaded. I mean, you bring in like Mark Sears is back. You bring in Aaron Estrada from Hofstra. There's back-to-back CAA player of the year. Like the other one I was going to point out was Jameer Nelson Jr. was an absolute stud at Delaware. And he's one of the main reasons people are really talking about TCU because you bring him in. Jameer Nelson Jr. lost out on CAA player of the year back-to-back years to Aaron Estrada. And now you're going to put Aaron Estrada with Bark Sears. who Now Sears can play on the ball and Estrada can play off the ball. Like the SEC is very good. Do I do I think they're the number one conference? I think no. that, and personally, I I think it's Big Twelve. Yeah, and then SEC Big Ten. Like you can make you can make a lot of arguments a lot of different ways. Um, and I think and you can throw the bees, but there is there's some really talented teams at the top of the SEC. All right, so let's let's talk about the disaster that is Kenny Payne in Louisville right now. I feel bad for my guy Nolan Smith, um, but. I, I think even create to me, like, okay, yeah, it's a last year, I mean, just unmitigated disaster. Then you open up against a D2 and you lose. Insane. But the press conference was so strange. You know, he references a guy that doesn't play, uh, talking about like, it, he's like, we got to get more than two more. rebounds out of this group. <laughs> but then one of them didn't play in minutes. That was, yeah. Tough. So, you know, and maybe, okay, you know, maybe we give him the benefit of the doubt there, whatever he's just talking about in general. But then to say we're not going to out talent has like, I think two questions Does he survive the season? And then two, has any school had worse back to back luck in coaches? Like, We'd have to think about that. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but like when Chris Mack got hired, the whole universe agreed. No, this was, was that's an automatic. This makes sense. Hire. This yeah. is going to be a. I mean, this is going to be Patino 2.0. And then, and he he was. I think he had like a decent year or two, and then just fell off a cliff with all the crazy stuff with him and um. Yeah, he went um, in his. He went twenty and fourteen in his first year. Um, you know, not Louisville started, standards. They but. started seven and one in the ACC his first year at Louisville. Uh, and Is that then twenty eighteen. This was twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Um, and that's the thing. And like, I'm not blaming this on COVID or anything, but like they made this first year. They made the tournament. They lost to Minnesota. Um, shout out to Billy O. Um, but like they had a decent and like those weren't it was Jordan Nora or Nora and there really wasn't a ton of talent. It was like Stephen Enoch, like a lot of those guys. And then 
Then you get the 20, you get 2020, which once again, it sucks. They went 24 and seven. Oh yeah. And so they that was won, a good year. They started 12 and one in the ACC. Yep. They, they beat in that 2020, that Virginia team that was pretty good. They beat that Virginia, they beat a Virginia team to get to 12 and one. They had a couple bad losses in the end. And then they lost to Virginia at home to end. And so, they finished 15 and five in the ACC, 24 and seven, and then didn't get a tournament. So, like, once again, it was really yeah, tough, tough circumstances. Tough. And that was like, and you really, you start that. Because if he goes to the back, even if he goes he, to the Sweet 16, then he's fine. And he was, and, and he was recruiting well too. Like that, he was piecing together, um, like really, really solid. I remember the the kid from Brooklyn, Aiden Eichhorn. Like, so like oh that yeah, was like, we played against never him. Never even ended up playing. Like they had like five, I think four Irish five kid. star guys. Yes, yeah. And they had like young talented guys, Samuel Williamson, David John, like um, Nickelberry. They had good dudes. And then you come out, and then twenty one is obviously an odd year as it is. They only end up playing. They went thirteen and seven um they lost yeah. to duke in the first round of the ac tournament it's such a weird year i mean you literally they went oh yeah and then duke got out for covid yeah and it, and it was like in 20 well 21 was yeah 21 right. was no that was duke got out in covid in 20 and no no the, in the acc no no everyone in 2020 but i mean the following year remember they they had a covid outbreak so they had to forfeit the acc game anyway it doesn't you're matter correct. I, no I you're 100 right yeah. you're right you're right after that game that you're right and then, yeah, and then 22, um, they went 13. The wheels fell off there. They started 10 and 4 and 4 0 in the ACC. And then they proceeded to lose, I think it was like nine of their next 10. Then they finished the year 12 and 18, and 6 and 14. And so, yeah. And, yeah. and since then, and, and literally since then, then Kenny Payne took over in 23. They went 4 and 28. Oh. And then I do, this is my, this is the thing that I feel bad because. A lot of these teams are not playing exhibitions. A lot of them are just playing secret scrimmages against better competition, which I personally, I like. I don't know outside of maybe getting you a little bit of ticket revenue, like what playing Kentucky Wesleyan in an exhibition is really doing outside of giving you some conditioning against guys. Like I like that Virginia scrimmaged UConn and Maryland and it was private. It's, it's competition. If you got a young group, if that doesn't happen, I get, yeah, they won four games last year. But their schedule, they open up with UMBC, Chattanooga, Coppin State. They should still win all those three games. And at that point, you're like, okay, like they've literally won one less game than they did all of last year. Now they'll have to play Texas. And then they get like they're projected to go still on Ken Palm five and one in their first games. The Heat would not be on as much if they start five and one and they hadn't lost an exhibition to Kentucky Wesleyan, it'd be like, okay. Yeah, things aren't still aren't don't seem great, but the sky is not falling like it is that has been the last no. forty eight hours because yeah. or really for it because they've played Kentucky Wesleyan. Yeah. And so I yeah, I, I don't want to make excuses for them because yeah, you should never especially when you use the talent excuse of hey, we're not we can't out talent guys. Like you That's should, a wild statement. I, I think you can make the argument that at least two hundred and fifty division one programs should be able to out talent division two schools um or at least division two schools that are project projected like middle of their conference and that, like they're uh, there weren't even it wasn't like they were playing um an absolute like powerhouse division two team but no. i do think like i i i i think he makes it this season and i honestly i hope that it works out like i want them 
to be able to turn it around. And I think Kenny Payne's a good dude. I think Nolan's a great dude. I think um, even Danny Manning, like they, I, I like the staff they have and I like the people and it's a, it's a top five job. It just, I think it, it just, it sucks that literally this, I feel like immediately just sparked back to, to, to where they were last year. So let's transition to another interesting coach who we both know really well, Mr. Chris Holtman. How hot is that seat? Now, before you answer, does the fact that Gene Smith is leaving, so he's not going to fire him, and you get a new AD, I doubt when the, I mean, Ohio State, there's been no, there hasn't even been like a rumor of who's going to replace Gene Smith yet. And that probably won't happen until spring, you know, maybe even later, who knows? So by the time that person is actually here, they're probably not walking in the door and firing Holtman, unless it's just an absolute disaster of a season, which I don't think is going to happen. He had, you know, he had, here's the thing with Holtman recruiting has really not been a problem for him. You know, he's got, he's got three, four stars coming in this year, including a local kid, Devin Royal, who's really good. Went to pick central um, number one kid in the state. He got the number one kid in Minnesota. Um, this kid named Chapman, like, He's he can recruit. We know that. And he and we know like we're also the uh, the benefit of the doubt podcast. He ran into some buzzsaws in in the NCAA tournament. We're not making an excuse for him, but like Oral Roberts one year and then um, a few years back, I think it was the, right before COVID. They were the two seed and they lost to the 15 again. Like he's had some bad, bad luck slash losses. Um, they have Bruce Thornton back like. They got to be good. Zed Key's back. Like, what do you think? Like, if he what 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 does he have to do to not get fired? That's the real the real question. I so I'm in my mind honestly. I know that it's a and you probably hear way more than I do because you're in Columbus. I, I don't in my mind. I don't even think that it is. It I get that it's a question or it's something. It's a topic. Oh, so you don't, don't think it's a question? I don't think it. I don't. A. I don't think it should be. Crazy thing. I think people forget is like as bad as they were at times i know they lost every game from january 5th they lost they won one game between january 5th and and february 25th so oh. i get it they lost they just they went on a they started 2 and 0 in the big 10 and and then you look up and they're 3 and 14 they had an awful awful stretch they were also one game away from the ncaa tournament they went to the big 10 championship they lost to purdue and I think they're going to be much better. And I and I don't I don't think they're as bad as what their record was last year. They had a lot of guys get better throughout the throughout the season. And if you look at their schedule, you can may you can realistically say they start eleven and one, twelve and one. I mean, they're not now. They have a really tough game against Texas A and M next Friday. Like that is going to be a very very no good way indicator. they win that. And it's at home. They're projected to win right now, which is kind of crazy. That's wild um, to me. But then they, the Oakland, Merrimack, Western Michigan, they've got Alabama on a neutral court. I think that might be part of an MTE where they've got another game after. You think that they're going Palm 11 and one? You can make an argument that let's, right? If you look at Ken Palm right now, Ken Palm has them winning for eight of okay. their first nine. And, and UCLA the, too. And then UCLA, UCLA, well, I have a lot of question marks around. Yeah. Yeah. But they then do. like, they and do. then you think, but big 10 play, they get, they have like, let's say the easier, like they start with Penn state. 
um, on the road. They get um, they play West Virginia and and I actually like West Virginia, but they play that in the Big Ten, Big Twelve, um, or maybe that's that's a different event. But they're playing West Virginia. Oh, they're playing West Virginia in Cleveland, the same game that Ohio is playing Davidson right before New Year's Eve. Uh, they're playing at the Q um, or whatever that's that arena is called now. Um, but then yeah, and then they get <laughs> Rutgers at home at Indiana. Like they they I do think they can build enough momentum that at least like then if 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 you can win 10 11 non-conference games and then you can go 500 in the Big 10 you're going to get in the tournament that's that's my thought because uh, I think that the Big 10 the quality of the Big 10 outside of like a a Minnesota or I'm really I mean shoot the rest even in Minnesota and Penn State the rest of those teams I think I have in earlier there are how many we have in the in the, of if you look in in Ken Palm starting the season, there's 12 teams in the Big Ten in the top 60 of Ken Palm, and so you're gonna like the qual that you're gonna have so many opportunities for quality wins, and your losses are not gonna knock you down at the end of the year. So I don't I don't see I think they make the tournament. I think they move on now. Could he bolt for another if if he unless he feels the writing on the wall? I think there were a lot of rumors even last year that he could be interested in, in, in Notre Dame as like a parachute um, and make a clean exit and just get ahead of things. But I also, I, I think that Chris Holtman's a good fit for Ohio state. I think he's a good coach and I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, so I, oh. I don't think he should be on the hot seat by any means. All right. Fair enough. Let's go. And I hate go. that. I, I, I hate that. I just had to make an argument for Ohio state, but I know you did. Let's talk about something that, uh, I don't know. I mean, we haven't talked about it since, but are we ready for no two, three zone in Syracuse, New York? I mean, coach Audrey. Now I'm not saying they're not ever going to play, but he said, he said like right away, like in that months ago, he's like, no, we're going to, we're going to play a lot of man to man. Are we ready for that? Are we ready for this new era? Like no more zone. How uh, people are kind of high on Syracuse. They have a ton of talent. Like yeah, is one of the better players in the country. And like, yeah, if they still honestly, if they still had Jesse Edwards and Joe Girard, nah, I, I, yeah, I would they, actually yeah. ACC that, would have a shot to get like I don't know. It's going to be really teams, weird seeing teams? Joe Girard play at Clemson. I will just say that of like being still in the ACC and wearing orange but not being at Syracuse, especially well, that's being the, at That's the other thing is is the rumors from the secret scrimmages is Clemson like mollywopped Ohio State. Beat him like pretty I think Clemson, I, I think Clemson's really good. I think PJ Hall is probably one of the most underrated players in the country. I love too. him, dude. But, I love I mean, him. He, he's an absolute stud. If they still had Hunter Tyson back too, like I, I, they would be a real, real dark horse. But I, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see. They have a tougher schedule to start. They've got they've got Tennessee. They've got LSU. They have to play Virginia on December second, um, and then like in Charlottesville. Um, and then they, they play Georgetown on the road. They're playing Oregon. They, and then they start again, they play Pitt. They've got to play Duke on January 2nd. Like they're, they've got a tough road. So it's going to be hard to tell, I think from the jump. Um, but it, it, it will be interesting. I, I think it's, it, it wasn't the cleanest break from Bayheim. It wasn't like this K to Shire, like, pat handoff that was kind of orchestrated and and this was the plan um it was in a way like it wasn't like hey this there was no search there was no time in between but it also it, it feels very distinctly different it's not that like shire 
K to Shire seem natural. Yeah. This because he's Adam of like we're gonna play a different way and like I'm not like and because it, of, in I don't some think ways that, it felt not yeah yeah because Beheim didn't necessarily want to go out when he did like it it makes things interesting I I think that they'll like they I don't know if they'll be a tournament team this year but I do think they they will be able to get back to not what they were in their prime but I do think they will be a very solid basketball because you have such a strong alumni base and you have a ton of money that you can throw at kids and in, in, in the transfer portal and, and, and everything like that. So I, I think they'll get there. And I think that honestly, Judah Mintz will help like steady them. Um, I don't think they're a tournament team this year, but I, they could, they could surprise me. Who knows? The same way I get excited to listen to Bill Walton call games is the same way I'm excited to see what the hell Jim Beheim talks about on live air. Is he just going to be the most curmudgeon, curmudgeon e human? Like, what is he? I mean, he hasn't shown emotion besides yelling at a ref in 35 years. What is he going to do? Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I just I can't wish wait. the ACC tournament was back in Greensboro this year. and that Yeah, he so was he could complain about just- the food. Yeah. So, I mean, he was like, why are we at like, I would have loved it because, and no, if, I mean, no, I'll, I will take a shot at them. Like they didn't have to stay that long in Greensboro when they played there. Cause they never made it to the ACC title or anything. I would love it if he just had to sit on like the ACC networks set with like Luke Hancock and Joel yes. Berry and yes. Boozer and him. And they're wearing their sneakers and he's just sitting there and he has to go back to his holiday Inn across the street and stay for like seven days in Greensboro. That would that would be comical to me. Um, but I mean, it. I don't think it's going to be pretty. Like I, I really don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know what's going to be. Where do you think there's more opportunity? Like where do you think the first clip, like the first viral clip? Do you think it'll be an in studio or do you think it'll be an in game clip that really goes viral and people are like, oh, Jim Beheim. Probably in studio because he has a little bit more time to digest the game. I think when he's watching the game, he he might actually like he he's gonna bring. I mean, don't get me wrong; he's you know one of the greatest coaches of all time. He's gonna bring good insight, but yeah. I think this his delivery is just gonna be so bad. So I think I think in studio he, he has more time. He's watching the game. You got five ten minutes before it cuts, whatever it is, and uh, and then that is when he may. Maybe he throws a couple shots at coaches. Like just like I hope he just that's goes what, off yeah. the rails. I hope he that's goes what, off the like, rails. I would there if there's anything I wish, and it's it's literally not possible right now. I wish they would put him on the call for a Bryant game where he oh. had to talk about Jared Grasso, his favorite up and coming coach. And I mean that and it it that would be that would be hilarious. I, I think that would be listening to him have to talk about someone that you know he clearly does not like or respect. Yeah would be um i i don't care what the match of what time it could be literally bryant versus um it could be bryant versus hawaii at 1 a.m on a tuesday night i would stay up and watch that game to make sure that i like heard every single word that that man said all right let's our our final four uh not our final four teams but the final four teams for this episode let's talk about duke uva arizona carolina and then maybe some providence um i'll let's get let's first just do our has uva played a scrimmage they had to have they played they played uconn and they played maryland okay so i know nothing about it i would just like to point out they played uconn last year and virginia won that so we virginia did beat the national champions Uh, um inductive reasoning 
Ipso yeah. facto. Okay. Um, Duke played last night. They played UNC Pembroke, beat them by a million points. It's listen, I don't want to. I listen, I know we're not a national podcast. I know we don't have the biggest audience, but I will go back and find the clip early in the season of last year of me saying Tyrese Proctor is a problem. He is the future. He is a stud. He he makes Jeremy Roach better. Jeremy Roach makes him better. Um, and this dude came out. Now, look, I know it's Pembroke. I get it. But like the dude went four for five from three. He was unstoppable in the pick and roll. He's he's good defense. Like he's going to have a breakout season. I think one of the um, hot takes on field of 68 was Proctor is going to be better than flip this year, which I'm not ready to say that. But uh, Duke looks really good, man. Shire has put together Duke's entire bugaboo last year was shooting. Um, yeah. They were easy to guard because you put Mark Mitchell out there and you didn't have to, you could just sag off, which took away from all the drives and like what they like to do with the dribble drive this year. You can't do that on anyone, no matter who they put in Jared McCain, Caleb Foster, uh, Jaden shoot um, TJ power, even their big guys, they all can shoot the ball. So you like, it was insane to watch them because no matter who was, who was driving or who was in the pick and roll, there was just no help. And if there was help, yeah. then it was the easiest play in the world. So they look really, really good. Um, Caleb Foster's giving Quinn Cut vibes. Uh, Jared McCain's already getting like Jalen Brunson comparisons, which I am here for that. Like he puts you on your hip, kind of backs you down that like stocky physical dude. Um, and then flip coming off of hip surgery looks fantastic. Um, I mean, they got question marks in terms of rotation and how many minutes people play and all of that, just like most teams. But they look good, man. Tell me, tell me about UVA. No, I mean, I, I only thing I was going to well, add about Duke. Duke I was going to add about Duke there. No, I, I am very worried. I, I think that Duke, at least in the ACC, clear in a way, not even close, is the best team. Like, there's a lot, been a lot of Duke teams that have been. I think even a lot of Virginia fans online like making this joke, like when. Cooper flag committed. They're like, Oh, another preseason ACC championship for Duke. I do. This is different to me compared to the others of like last year, you can say, Oh, their preseason ACC title, because you just had the hype around flip and lively and whitehead and Proctor. And like you had Roach, but it was a lot of unknown. Like now, like we've seen it from these dudes. Like they returned, they returned four starters, which that's, and that's what's scary because I agree with you. I, I was not high on Tyrese Proctor at the beginning of the year. I know. I we argued. First we few, argued. Like it, he didn't shoot numbers, the ball well. It was ugly early on. He didn't but shoot then, the ball well. But you could but see it. When Duke turned the corner as a team, very much like I, was, I think obviously um, Lively played a lot better and, yep. and and kind of fit into his role. But then Proctor also was was as a key piece of that as well. And so yep. I do think, and I, I think the more time that he and Roach have had to kind of mesh and play together is going to be huge. Um, do I think that Reese Beekman will still be able to lock him down? Yes, 100%. Wow. But it's <laughs> raining okay. ACC defensive player of the year. All right. No, okay, I, I do think like Duke is head and shoulders above the rest of the conference. And I think outside of Kansas and you can maybe make it like – I think they are, in my mind, very much solidified top five team. Next Friday in Cameron against Arizona is going to be rocking. I looked at, I looked at, I, I'm most likely going to try, I'm trying to go to Virginia, Florida is in Charlotte the same night. So I'm probably going to go see the Who's. But I, I mean, I think cheapest ticket to get in is like 430 bucks or something like that right now. Like, place is good. It's, I mean, it's Caleb Love coming back to Cameron. I like, know. 
that is going to be special. Um, and, and I like, like, and we'll be able, the good thing is I, I actually think, and I mean, it's kind of, I tricky. can't wait for the signs. The crazies better bring it with the signs for Caleb love. I'm sure they will. Um, I mean, the fact that you get Arizona you get Michigan state in the champions classic, like at Arkansas, get, they go Ooh. at Arkansas. We get, ba- they get Baylor later on. They got like, a tough schedule. They got a tough. No, schedule. they do. And they've, and they still won't schedule a true. Well, I guess is Arkansas. How is that? A, Arkan- is that a true well, Arkansas is the, the challenge, isn't it? No, because that's S- their SEC. Oh, is it another like? It I, I thought I saw because... on there. It's named something. I thought, or maybe it just is a road game. But the Arizona is a home and home, so next year they go to Arizona. Yeah, he's, Shire, he's, you got to give Shire three, four years to get his schedule right. Um, no, it's fair, but I, I think he I will. Give him, I have him credit for actually going because I mean, Kay's version of going on the road was playing St. John's in the Garden, Madison Square, baby, and Cameron like, North. So- Cameron um, North. Shout out, shout out to my my friend from the bagel shop, Mike. Um, new pal here in What's up, Mike? Durham. Um, but they, but yeah, no, I think like we'll we'll get to see him against good competition, which is great. Um I don't think they're gonna be challenged that much in the ACC, to be honest. Like I and I'll yeah, talk about AC, Virginia. Yeah. I like Virginia. Yeah, I tough. don't think Virginia matches up well with Duke at all. Um in, in a different way, just because I don't think that they have the depth in the post. Like I do think this Virginia team is going to be very good. I, I do think that this team, any rumblings from the UConn scrimmage and what do so we got? No, they played um, Clay. The only thing they played them tight. I think it was, I think it was like a seven or eight point loss. Klingon didn't play, which is hard. to Yeah, tell. that's right. He's got that foot thing. Um, Klingon didn't play the, the one thing. And I, I think the biggest thing for me is I feel like after 15 years, I guess, yeah, 15, yeah, 14, 15 years. I feel like I've been able to tell the way Tony talks about a team, if he's confident in them or if he's like, hey, we're going to need to develop. I've been pleasantly surprised about the way that he's talked about this team that like he believes like they're going to compete. And the thing that for me is I think they are very, very similar. Um, and any Virginia fans that are listening to this, this I, I think – while I think that there are some Virginia fans that are over the top that are very that feel slighted that they're not a top 20 team or not getting more love, and there are other there's a lot of people that see them on the fringe of that, I think, and they're like, Oh, Virginia stinks. Like, because I think the last taste in everyone's mouth is obviously the the Furman game and them laying an egg in the tournament again. Furman but like, and the Bobbies aren't those I mean, your last two? This team, and I, it's not the same team, it's not the same team at all. They lost a lot of score, but. I think it could be a better team. They this team went twenty three and six and fifteen and five in the regular season last year. They lost to Duke in the ACC title game. Like they had a good season. I, there's plenty of teams that would trade for the season that Virginia had last year. Sure. What this most and it's it's kind of weird. It's very very um, eerie to me the similarities of this team to the 2018 Virginia team. So not the team that lost yeah, to UMBC. The, yeah. Um, not the national championship team, but if you look at that season, that team went 31 and three by no means. Am I saying that this team is going 31 and three, but there's so many similarities to this where they were coming off a year where they lost the, literally it was like the heart of their program. Their stalwart point. It was London Perantes. This Virginia team just lost Kihei Clark. You had some other guys you lose, you lose Shayok, very similar player to Armand Franklin. They lost those guys. And, I think the expectations were a lot lower. They only won a game in the tournament. They didn't have like the Brogdon and Joe Harris teams. So everyone, and they had young guys that were 
going in their second year that were making the leap into being starters and Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy. Virginia right now, that's that's Isaac McNeely and Ryan Dunn. They played, they weren't full-time starters by any means last year. They, they started a couple games, but they were mostly bench roles growing in. Both of those guys can make huge leaps. McNeely is an absolute knockdown shooter. Ryan Dunn is an absolute athletic freak. As versatile as it comes defensively, they have veteran leadership like that 18 team did 18 Virginia had Devin Hall and Isaiah Wilkins. Were they the best players on the team? No. Were they experienced? That is exactly what Reese Beekman is. You have the reigning defensive player of the year in the ACC. That's been through it all. It's his fourth season. And you have Jordan minor. That was a transfer from Merrimack. Jordan minor is the now granted it's not the ACC is the NEC defensive player of the year. It's a six, eight big, that is going to be a, a really solid defender and has that veteran very similar. Like, you don't need 15 points out of him. You didn't need 15 points out of Isaiah Wilkins, but he can play that role. And then the other piece, you have a sixth man that was really in a backup point guard that can kind of play both. That was a spark and really a lockdown defender. That that was Nigel Johnson on that 2018 team. Dante Harris is the kid from Georgetown, transferred from Georgetown. He was big. He just Bennett just gave him a lot of praise, right, for his defense. Exactly. Bennett I said he's that. one of the best on-ball defenders he's ever coached. Which that's is high an praise. insane. Praise. You're going from Kihei Clark, and London was not a defender like Kihei was, but you had Jontel Evans, you had Nigel Johnson, you had Kihei, you had like lockdown dudes, and he's saying this is one of the best. Like, I I'm very like I he's not going to have to be the hero. Like, I mean, but the dude literally was big East tournament player of the year, two years ago. And he had all of last year into in the system. He practiced with these dudes every day. He got in the weight room with Mike Curtis, got put it weight on. And then you have, then the other piece of that is like, you have an unknown redshirt. No one knew what Deandre Hunter was going to be. Cause on that 17, he didn't play at all. He redshirt in 17, 18. He honestly, I remember we talked on this pod like 10 games in his brother was like posting Facebook messages, like come home, like come, cause he wasn't playing at all. Yep. And so you've got a kid, Leon bonds, the exact same for them. You get Andrew Rohde is a transfer from St. Thomas. They think it's going to be really good. And then you'd a big physical post player in Jack salt. That's the kid Blake Buchanan. The freshman is going to, it's just a six, 10, six, 11, just like set hard screens rebound. My only concern with that with both Kafaro and Shedrick gone is they're going to play some, have to play smaller lineups and they're going to have to gang rebound. Now, they don't get out in the break and try and push and transition anyways, and so they will, but like you're going to need guys like McNeely, like Rhodey, like us to crash the glass because it's just going to be minor in there, and it's in it's there's going to be a lot of lineups where he's the biggest guy on their team, and he's 6'8". So that's my, my only concern is the rebounding, but I'm – Plus, I'm very optimistic about this team. I don't think they have an absolute gauntlet of a schedule. Like they, they should be able to go. They play Florida on, on next Friday, neutral court here in Charlotte. They play Wisconsin, which like very similar style, obviously play. They play Wisconsin. They play Texas A&M. But if you look at Ace, they, they very much luck out. I think with ACC play because they get Syracuse early at home, and then they start out with Notre Dame and Louisville. So like. Tell me, give, give me a three a three and zero start of the ACC play. I'll be very happy with that. Um, do I think they're on the same level of Duke? No. Do I think they can? I think Carolina is probably even a better team. But can I? Can they compete with them? Yeah. And they only play Duke once, and it's in Cameron. They play, only play Carolina once, and it's in Charlottesville. So like, I'm very optimistic about this team. I think they'll be better defensively than they've been the last couple of years. 
Um, and I think it's just going to be a lot of growth and development out of guys stepping into new roles. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm excited about it. Um, I don't think it's an automatic, like, it's not the most excited I've ever been about a Virginia team, but I do think that there's a lot of potential and, um, very excited to, to see this team play. Okay. Yes or no answer. If you could have Kihei Clark for one more year, would you do it? Yeah. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I, I'm, you're I'm, on. Yeah. You, you always I go back and forth with I, your, I, yeah, no, I, no, UVA. I'm all, I'm, I'm, I would have Clark. A hundred percent. Okay. hundred percent. Right. I am not like the key haters can kick rocks. I, like they, I know. I, honestly, like I, the only thing I would say, the only reason why I would maybe say no is so I don't have to hear all the people that hate on Kihei, the Virginia fans that hate on Kihei Clark, that he's back. Yeah. Dude's a winner, like, and had an incredible career. Um, all right, let's go to the Tar Holes. It's going to be the Elliot Cadeau show. We knew going in, uh, he was going to be a stud. Early reports are confirming that. Um, did you realize, like, I know last year was just an absolute shit show for them, which was just fantastic for the world. But did you know Baycott's numbers pretty much across the board were down from the previous year? Points, rebounds, all that. Like, he had a he had a down year like, compared to his junior, uh, his sophomore year. Everyone wants to make junior. Caleb Love the scapegoat. It wasn't all Caleb Love. No, no. I, I, they, they ran that dude. Was a large part of that Caleb? Yes. Ran part, that dude out of town. They could not shoot, and they also refused him. And great. Okay, if you can't shoot, then dump the ball into your best player in Baycott, and they refuse to do that. Yeah, Hubert, that, that thing that came out, I think, again, it's always the athletic, um, with, like, Hubert bringing him into the office and, like, having yeah. a conversation. Like, that was not a good look for Hubert in terms of, like, how that all went um, because it did feel like it, like they needed a scapegoat, and whether or not it was Caleb, he was going to be the problem. Now, the way he plays, it's easy. Like he he's kind of like um the the college version of damn, he just got traded from the Warriors. Harden. Oh to, uh, no, no, the uh, Warriors. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of like pool where like he will make three or four of the most impressive plays you'll ever see. And then three of the you know dumbest better than anybody <laughs> shots ever. Like it's it's insane. The Jordan Poole highlights so far have been like I, like hilarious. You see, I don't know if you saw last night. He threw one. They were down like twenty. Yes, he threw it off the glass. The <laughs> That's Incredible. a Caleb Love move. And so, anyway, uh, I, let's, no, let's, like I, let's go for Carolina. I will say the one you're you riding the Elliot Godot train, and I, yeah, he's gonna be stud. The biggest, the biggest pickup I think personally for them was Cormac Ryan. Like, and I've also I've loved Cormac Ryan for a while because Virginia the recruited kid, him, right? Yeah, so Virginia recruited him out of high school, yeah. and he went to Stanford. And so, like, I always, like, have a soft spot for guys. Like, if Tony sees a guy that, like, he obviously believes in, like, I'm like, oh, well, hopefully maybe this comes back around. So, he went to Stanford, transfers to Notre Dame. Carol, like, he he can shoot the ball. And the the other – the reports out of that, too, is that he's come in, and he's not afraid to be the leader, and which is very interesting of a team that literally has made the national championship with Baycott, with R.J. Davis – Clearly, though, leadership was an issue last year. It was all important saying, hey, they were worried yeah, about who was making what. Up. Hey, I and I get everyone's put the blame on on Caleb. Maybe he had problem things, but like I, I would drive to Dunkin Donuts down the road and Armando Baycott's face is on the menu there. Like there's like and I, 
if you're that, like, if that is a thing and maybe you want to say that Caleb Love was unhappy with that or whatever it may be, it clearly has to be more than that. Like, that's not the reason the num- preseason number one team misses the tournament all by itself. So I do, I think it it should be reassuring for Carolina fans that Cormac Ryan's coming in and is not afraid to establish kind of a leadership role on that team because it's very similar to Brady Manick. Like Brady Manick came in yes, from Oklahoma. Yeah. Like he didn't have the um he didn't have the rapport at Carolina. I mean, it was literally first year, one single year player there. That's I I they're different players. They're obviously not the same, but I see Cormac Ryan filling a similar role and the need much needed shooting that Brady Manick did. Um, so let's go. Yeah, I agree. I think UNC has um they have to me one of the wider like bands i'm calling it of like they can be a top 10 team and they could maybe fall out of the top 25 again like and, they yeah. have a wide bandwidth here of where we they get to go. see them they'll play tennessee they play yukon they play kentucky yeah um, that's they got a tough schedule too they've so. got like we'll get to see we won't see like the tennessee game is not till november 29th so like they'll Oh, Thanksgiving weekend. Let's go. That's great. And it's at home. Um, And so like they get Radford, Lehigh, Riverside, Northern Iowa. Like we're not like, yeah, at least. Yeah. They're not, they're not playing. um, They're not playing anyone. I think they're going to get tripped up by. So that helps them gel and everything for them. But I I think they'll be good. All right. Let's wrap up with Caleb loves new home, Arizona. Um, Obviously going to be the Larson and Balo show again. Good luck guarding that pick and roll. But what production do they get out of Caleb? Like, I think that's one of, if that's not the leading question for Arizona, it's number two of like what kind of player they're getting. And maybe, maybe he just fits into a new system and just becomes like a production machine the whole Michigan thing was a disaster. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's going to go one way or the other relatively quick, I think, for Caleb. Um, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Like, I, is, he, is this his redeemed season, or is he just kind of like, eh? No, I think that he'll I, – I think – do I think that he is going to turn into – not a conservative basketball player. Do I think he, he's – No, but more like a part of a – not necessarily relying on 35-foot jumpers. Like I don't think – and there's 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 some something to be said for like I, I don't even know if you want to try as they tame him or whatever like yeah it, like it, do you let him rock let him yeah. play in space let him play free and I think it will be easier to do that with this group than it was with Baycott with RJ with some of the like I I think you kind of in some ways have to let Caleb be Caleb I do think that the teams and the style of play that he'll match up against in the Pac-12 will lend himself a little better than it. And then there's something, there's something to be said. I don't know why I always in my head, there's some this weird connection. A, the final four is in Phoenix. The Arizona diamondbacks just made the world series. There's something about these. Like, I feel like they go in these waves where these teams, like when a certain team and you look at um, a certain, like Houston Astros, when you Houston, like Houston Cougars, find, like, it's something weird. Like, I feel like there's just good vibes, good momentum in the state of Arizona. And so I do like, I have this good feeling about them having a good year. Do I think they're going to make the final four? No, but in my mind, I think that at least that conversation will be there. Like we had Houston last year of, Oh, could Arizona make a run to the final four basically at home 
not at, I know that they're, they're, they don't play in Phoenix, but like, is that, I think that actually, I think as we get closer to March, that will be a legitimate conversation. Um, and, and yeah, I, I do think like they've got incredible post play. Tommy Lloyd has obviously proven it. Um, and, and I think just le- Caleb love is no matter what you say about him, he's incredibly talented. There's times, times where he looks like he's the best player in the country. There's sometimes where it's like, it's a black hole and you don't, you're net, the ball's never coming out, but I do think he can, can kind of manage that and, and, and will be a good fit. All right. I think that wraps up episode 136. Unless you want to talk about the NIT changes to finish. I was, well, this is my, I, we can, we can save NIT for another episode. I was going to ask you this. If you look at it, we, we, it's shared so many stats, the, the most bids a conference has ever gotten. Oh yeah, that's right. The big East in 2011 had 11 bids. That was um, like 2011. So that's like West Virginia, Pittsburgh. That was here. I've got Syracuse. The, I've got the teams here. It was. I mean, wait, 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 wait. Can I? Can we do this? Can we do this at trivia? Can I name all eleven? Go for I it. I think I just got three. West Virginia, Pitt, Syracuse. Um, give me one second. Let's see. Okay. Those are going to be my. Those are going to be my initial guesses. Let's go. Um, here we go. Let me pull this up here. A lot of dead air for the people. Um, dead air. We're good. All right. So, what is your? Let's just West, go. Let's, West let's West go Virginia. one by one. West Virginia. Um. Correct. Pittsburgh. Correct. Syracuse. Correct. Louisville. Correct. UConn. They won it. UConn. Yep. That's five. Not Providence. Not DePaul. Not Rutgers. Um, who else? Oh, Marquette. Marquette is six. Yep. Uh, God was St. John's. Oh yeah. Steve Lavin. St. John's. John's? They were a six seed baby. St. Johnny's. Okay. That's seven Uh, teams. I think I'm missing a big one. How many am I missing? You have seven of the 11 right now. Uh, oh, Xavier. No, Xavier was not in the big East at that time. Shit. Um, there's no way Seton Hall was good, right? I'm gonna give you 10 seconds to name your next one. And, oh, J- uh, oh God, J- uh, J- uh, Villanova. Villanova is <laughs> another one. Yep. You have I three more. Was... Oh God. You're forgetting the one seed. Wait, did yeah? I think you're forgetting the team that was a one seed. Oh, oh no, that was 09. We beat George. Oh, Georgetown. No, Georgetown was a six seed. I'm out then. Who I dude. Pittsburgh was the one seed. No, I said Pitt. I said, I said Pitt. Pitt. I said... Notre Dame was the two. Oh my God. I Syracuse forgot about Notre was Dame. a three seed. Louisville was a four. Saint uh West Virginia was a five. St. John's, Cincinnati, and Georgetown were all six Cincy. seeds. UConn, the crazy thing about this, UConn won it. Weren't and they, they were they an eleven? They were a three seed. Oh. But they went, they were one, two, three, four, five. They finished ninth in the Big East. In the right, they went nine and nine in the regular in the Big right. East regular season. Marquette and then Villanova. So the crazy, the the my point about that and really all in this is all those bids. Four teams. Let's see: Villanova, Marquette, and UConn. So no three teams that got in went nine and nine in conference play. Wow, that's um, how good that conference was. And, and it was so good. Now, you look, 2017, 2018 ACC, and 2012 Big East, the next year, there were nine bids of those. 
my question is, and it really first started just as Big 12, but I think you can obviously make an argument for the Big 10 too. Is there a path for the Big 12 to match or exceed those 11 bids? And I'm just going to state this, that there are 14 teams currently inside the Ken Palm Top 72 in the Big 12. And so 14 teams in that Top 72. And they get 11? You can make a case. That can they get 11? Now, the other piece that as well, and you can say Big 10, you can make an argument. We mentioned this earlier. The Big 10 has 12 teams in the top 60. So, not as many, it's two less teams, but all of them are in the top 60. Now, it, it really, the one thing I'll bring it up again is that the, the good thing, and you can make a case, you're talking, I think, Kansas, Houston, Baylor, Texas. Kansas State, TCU, Iowa State. I think those are all almost like locks of tournament teams. And that's seven. Now you're getting to BYU. You're getting to Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, West Virginia. The only two teams I'm going to even like potentially write off, it's Oklahoma State and UCF. But my point is, even Ken Palm's got Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, eight and 10, TCU, Iowa State, BYU at nine and nine in conference. Point is, if the conference is that strong and that good, just like the Big East was in 2011, can you be 500 in a such a strong league like they are projected to and get in? And I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is yes. I just don't know if 11 get in. Man. I think that they surpass. I think they at least tie nine. I think they at least yeah. tie nine. I, I, yeah. I have obviously Kansas is probably the best team in the country, if not top two, three. Houston's going to be good again. Baylor's going to be good again. Texas reloaded. Kansas State. Um, TCU, honestly, I think TCU, I think Kansas wins the conference. TCU is my sleeper. I think TCU could compete um, for a Big 12 title. Iowa State is really, really solid. Shout out Stevie Taylor. Um, and then, honestly, and then Texas Tech. Grant McCasland is, I think, going to make a huge mark in terms of not they had a really down year last year, um, but I, I think that he is doing a lot of things that are kind of going on notice that building that program to be really really strong. And then also you have Oklahoma, Porter Moser, Cincinnati, who really started turning it on into last year with Wes Miller, and the and then West Virginia, it's been the most tumultuous offseason you could probably ever imagine. But like they went and got Jesse Edwards, they went and got Kirk Carissa, they went and got ACOG, like they've got guys now. Will they be able to play? Will they be able to stay healthy? Will Josh Eilert be able to coach them? Like I have, I have a lot of faith in West Virginia. I'm, I'm still actually high on them. I, I, I will. I wish there was a line for. That. I wish I could bet because I think the odds would be probably pretty good. But I would love to give me like over nine tournament teams, the Big Twelve. I would, I would put some money on it. I'll take nine. Maybe we do that. Can we? Is that is that a thing? Can I just gamble? Is that a future? Can we do? No, I, say, I don't. I don't think we can set, but I we can do a gentleman's. Uh, we can do a gentleman's agreement. All right, maybe we, we can do, do a over. Agreement. Yeah, over over under nine or over under over under nine and a half. That's what we should do. Okay. I don't That's know fair. what the what the prize will be, but maybe it's um maybe something Big Twelve. I mean, you got to you got to wear cowboy boots for a day, oh, like walking around. Like, God. don't make me do something. that. I was saying, we'll you'll find confident. some. You'll we'll feel confident. Some. I, I, I got faith in the Big Twelve oh. in the squad. So we're here, Ooh, though. Welcome back, man. Episode 136. It feels good. Off season, uh, weirdly felt quick. Yeah. Like just, I, it, I don't know. Maybe that's just uh, me, but it felt, um, 
It felt like we just kind of ended in, in April. But uh, anyway, that's a wrap for the Tao Boys. Welcome back to Season 7. Thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out. We will be back most likely on our normal weekly cadence here at some point, um, you know, in the next 10 days. Uh, and until then, as usual, keep the ball bouncing. Lately I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a couple. Plus Russell's up next and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.